I would ask you to do it with all Christ. It's been great. I've enjoyed the peaceful ride down here in Britwell. Um, I don't know what it is, but I really love when I see great cities on the highway. I'm just like, this, this is so cool, man. I don't know why. But um, so I'm just really glad to be here. Um, and just to be able to share God's word with you this morning. Um, for those of you who haven't uh, had the privilege of meeting me yet, my name is Gary, and I am a college missionary. I actually serve the University of Hartford in two special ways. I am their Protestant chaplain for Protestant students on campus. I also pastor cities and church plant at the University of Hartford. Our church is on the campus, for the campus. And so I get to help students find meaningful community to live on mission and also prepare to live a lifetime making an impact in the marketplace. For decades to come, it's a mouthful, but I've learned how to say it. And so I'm here uh, to fill in today for our, uh, our pastor. Uh, thank God for Pastor George and all that he does here. So glad to have him here today um, with us and his family is back. And so it's just beautiful for him to be back. And so I'm excited to preach to you this morning. It's, it's my last one, you know, for some time. But, you know, um, I'm here. And so before that, I just want to say again, I do have a podcast that you guys can follow. So if you're interested in what we're doing at the university or maybe God is sparking uh, through this awesome church a desire to minister to a campus, well, we will train you for free through our podcast. It's what we talk about all the time, how you can replicate I really believe that the best way to uh, raise up more people is one to have this podcast, but then uh, for us as uh, college missionaries, for us to be the ones putting out this information, sharing, and also supporting those ministries that are going on now, because it's from those ministries that people are probably going to be raised up and sent to more campuses. Seventy-seven percent of universities do not have a ministry like ours or anyone there who is prayer walking to that university. So it could be a simple start in trail. And I'm really fascinated by it if you haven't found out by now. Right? I, every week I get up here and talk about the college campus. I really unapologetically believe that it is the most strategic mission field on this planet. Like I love Griswold. I hope not you know it, but I just love the university campus context. Okay? So let's dive in to today's talk. Um, I should be brief. Normally that's a lie when preachers say that. But I really do mean that because I do have to go after this. <laughs> so I'm going to try to be brief. So you can go ahead and brief me now, okay? Because I won't be super long. So everybody knows LeBron James, right? Okay, whether you like him or not, that's Lakers and the Lakers now. Whatever your affiliation, who is that, whatever. LeBron James is a superstar of basketball, okay? We know his name whether you like him or you don't like him, you know him. And so he's LeBron James. And what's really cool is that everywhere he goes, of course, he can't get, like, privacy. You know, people are just bombarding him. They're rushing him. Uh, they always want to get pics. They want to get autographs. But what's really cool is that when LeBron James goes to his hometown, like, nobody is bombarding him. Nobody is trying to get in his face. Nobody's really bothering him. He's at his son's game, and he is just rooting from the sidelines. He's not coaching. Nobody is talking to LeBron James. But if LeBron James walked into this room in the middle of my sermon, I bet you no one would be paying attention to me. I wouldn't be paying attention to me if LeBron James walked in here right now. I'm just keeping it real, okay? So, you know, when he's at home, he's just LeBron. Not the team, he's LeBron. There's this young lady, uh, her name is Kimberly Rush. She was on The Voice. Anybody watch The Voice? A little bit? Okay, did you see her? She was on The, the Voice. She's from my hometown. Like, she led worship on our campus for, for, two, for two semesters. And it was the best two semesters of worship we've had in a long time. 
Um, when she's growing up, we just can't afford her anymore because she's, you know. But we know her. I know her, her dad. I preached her dad's church a number of times. Um, and just amazing to see that we really loved her. We, we thought her gift was amazing then. But then when she went off into the spotlight, people from all around the world know her. Now, I watched her Instagram. Anybody kind of like watch Instagram sometimes? When she was on Singing on the Voice, I watched her Instagram go from like 3,000 people to 10,000 overnight. It was just like, what? Like every time we were reloading, we reload, you know, so, and it's just like going up by a couple hundred every time. Like, this is crazy. You know, and now she's like 50,000 followers. You know, and, and, and it was amazing. My wife and I loved her, love, love, love her. But then when we saw her gift, the world just ended up loving her. And it's just amazing that how somebody could be kind of a hometown hero, but then also be a blessing to the entire world. Right? And, and so I, growing up, uh, went to a home church. I was there for 21 years of my life, and I, I did everything except for in, in this church we had a thing called a mother's board, and it was really for the seasoned women in the church. And, and you guys know where I'm getting where I'm going. The seasoned saints in the church, and they were kind of like helping young women kind of grow up in the Lord. I, I, that was the only place in the church I really didn't serve, okay, and for good reason. And and, uh, and I, I left that church. God did this amazing things in my life, and every now and again I would come back. Right, just to just fill in to help out. And I'll come and play key, keyboard sometimes just for them, or play guitar on like a youth night, and just come and help out. And uh, it's funny because there, I'm still just you know, and it's not bad. I'm still just a kid. You know, like I could be leading thousands on the college campus, and you know, preaching all over the all over Connecticut and New York and all these places, and people are just like, this is this this girl, and it's fine because I'd rather like I tell people I can't be a brother. In the house of God, I won't be anything. I won't be anything. But it's funny to watch people look at you as you mature in God's calling and gifting in your life. Sometimes they never grow the way you're growing. And sometimes you'll always just be a town. Or sometimes you'll always just be the hometown guy. No one will ever esteem to you the honor or, or, or recognize what God is doing in your life. And we're going to talk about how to navigate that today. And I'm passionate about that because sometimes... When we find ourselves on the other side of dishonor, we find ourselves losing the most. And we're going to talk about that today. And I wanted to preach this last week, I'll be quite honest with you, but I'm glad the Holy Ghost always reminds us when it's good. And I'm glad Pastor Josh is here. He didn't ask me to preach this night, so don't bother him. But this is what Jesus said that I'm going to preach today. So really, don't bother him. I'll come see you. That's my God, okay? So let's go into the Word of God. So if you have your Bible with you, this thing, or if you have it on your phone, it's all good. Okay, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 6 today. And uh, we'll read a little bit of it, and then we'll teach a little bit from it and give some points to apply. Now, it's after Matthew, and it's before Luke, before Luke. And if you just don't get there, wherever you land is good. It's the Bible. You can't go wrong, okay? Sound all right? And whatever translation you have is good as long as you read it, okay? So let's do that. So let's look. It says this. He being Jesus went away from there and came to his hometown. Oh, no. And he, uh, his disciples followed him. When the uh, Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. They were saying, where did this, where did he get these things? And they said, what is it, this wisdom that has been given to him? And how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't this the carpenter? 
the son of Mary and the brother of James, uh, uh, Jose, and Judas, and Simon, are his sisters here with us? And so they were offended by him. Then Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his household. So he was not able to do any miracles there, except that he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this moment to study your word. Thank you so much, God, that your word is living to us and the light to our path. God, help us in, in this, this moment to understand, God, what you mean by honor. And God, also that how honor is the currency in the kingdom. And I pray, God, that we would learn how to be honored with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so, I, as I said the, the other weeks before, um, I, I don't like to teach everything from the text because I'm a Bible nerd, and I will. And I will find cool things and bore you with them. And so, so I don't do that. I'm going to teach a few things from the Word so that we can apply them accurately after that, okay? Does that make sense? If you count and keep me accurate, all right? 23 things I'm going to teach you from there. And then we're going to go forward, all right? All right. You're going to talk back to me now. Be quick. All right? And you say amen if it's good. And if it's not, you just hold that amen. But if you feel it rising up, battle it up. It'll be okay. All right, so here we go. So the first thing I'm going to teach you is that Jesus' hometown was Nazareth, okay? Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, like if you really just miss you go, oh, Bethlehem. And it's like, no, it's not Bethlehem. Right? That was his hometown is where he's born. Right? I was born in Hartford, but I grew up in Palooza. Right? I was born in Mount Sinai Hospital, which is not a hospital much anymore. Right? It's more of like a rehab center now. And I was born there, but born in Hartford technically. Everybody was kind of where I'm from. But we lived in Palooza. Okay, so that was my hometown. So Jesus spent a few years in Africa. I know we call it Egypt, but that's part of Africa. Right? To be more specific, he was a refugee there, political refugee. Uh, Nazareth was where his family had put down roots. Right? Nazareth was where Jesus grew up, where he went to school, where he made friends, where he learned to be and worked as a carpenter. Right? Jesus also grew up in the slums. Right? Jesus grew up in, in, in the Nazareth. Nazareth is reported to the streets were dirty. Uh, it, it, was, it was a very poor town. It was not uh, uh, the creme de la creme. It was, it was just like a run-down ghetto. Okay? And so that's where Jesus grew up. And people didn't expect a lot from this area. Right? In fact, when Jesus comes to uh, Nathaniel, he says, what good thing can come out of Nazareth? Like, he's like, hey, you grew up in the north of the Hartford? I don't know. Okay, but, yeah. And like, no good thing comes from there. Jesus was not, although this was his hometown, Jesus was not coming to Nazareth for a social visit. You know, sometimes you come home and it's just for Christmas. Right? And sometimes you come home and it's for business. And Jesus is coming home for ministry. He's coming with his disciples. Right? So he's not coming alone. He's coming as a rabbi. He's coming accompanied by those who are underneath his tutelage. Right? And this, it is in this place, this hometown, that Jesus was not received with proper honor. Right? He's right there. Number, point number two, or thing number two. It was not Jesus' teachings that inherently were offensive to some. They were actually amazed by what he was saying. Right? They were amazed by what Jesus said. They thought what he was saying was godliness. 
thought it was inspired, right? It was, it was really that Jesus had taken on this position of authority that they took problem with. They found out problematic. They were saying to him, he's one of us. What right does he have to assume this type of authority over us? Who is he? Like they were potentially saw Jesus grow up as a child. They hired him for some carpentry work, right? They, they, before he had started his ministry, uh, they, they, they couldn't get past the idea that they knew his family. They knew the rumors surrounding his conception. There was a little bit of shade at this time in his life. Joseph was probably dead, right? That's what tradition says. But what was even more disrespectful was they referred to him as the son of his mother. And in that culture, that was kind of disrespectful. You would refer to him as the son of Joseph. You, so they were talking about the suspected, suspected rumors of her illegitimacy having Jesus. Right? Nobody believed that story that she had him, that he was a child of God. That he was literally the son of God. Nobody believed that stuff. They, you know, it's like a girl in your chemistry class. Can I talk to my young people? The girl in your chemistry class right now in sophomore year says, hey, I'm pregnant by God. That's exactly what you would get in that whole class. A little, everybody would be, you know, doing a little laugh there. Because nobody believed that story. They said, no, she just cheated on Joseph. And Joseph was a punk for not calling her. That was the story. They kept bothering him. He's 30. And they're still bothering him about how he was born. Subtly, but they're doing it. They knew he was a blue-collar worker. That he had never been to the school for a rabbi. That they could not get past how the hand of the Lord was moving on him. They could not see the divinity in him because of his humanity. Last thing that you should know from the text, their lack of faith forfeited them the opportunity to experience more from Jesus. Because of their lack of faith in Jesus, Jesus chose not to do more miracles. Could Jesus have done more miracles? Absolutely. But nothing would have happened. Because miracles don't make people believe. In fact, miracles are designed to build a culture of faith when people are already pressing in to who Jesus says he is. See, here, miracles would not have solved the issue. It would have further hardened hearts and made a mockery of God's graciousness and healed physically and spiritually. Now, I'm going to teach you a few things from, from this idea. Just a few. The first one thing, thing is that, that you'd be surprised to find out that People who know you best are capable of, capable of dishonoring you most. People who you think wouldn't often do. Sometimes it's the people we know best who dishonor us the most. No one will size you up and check your competency more than people who grew up with you or knew you in a previous season of life. Hands down. You think that they would be the ones who support you the most and be the happiest for you, but they're often not. Sometimes people can will never grow past the fact that you have changed from who you are. One of the things I like to say, the hardest thing to do for a person is to change who you are in front of the people who've seen you before. Have you ever been there? Like you just, I'm done with this season of life. I'm done doing those sinful things I should do. And you have to go back sometimes in the same spaces and people just will not move on from what they saw you do before. Sometimes the hardest people to change in front of people you know. People you grew up with. Nobody like who you grew up with will hold you to a previous version of yourself. I love that Jesus comes back and he comes back and it might even be the same moment. He 
comes back to his hometown, the Bible says synagogue, and he reads from Isaiah. He says, the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel. I love that he comes back to establish his ministry in his hometown and says, look, hey, if I can't stand in front of people who have seen me then the war, and change in front of them, then I'm not ready for ministry anywhere else. I love that Jesus, even though he knows this proverb that he's not going to be received well, doesn't avoid his hometown. He still goes there on assignment. And here's what I'm going to say to you too as well, that sometimes God will send you on assignment to people who know you or have known you very well. It's funny, I had to go a few weeks, well, last week, this week, uh, oh, yes, last week, so Wednesday, I had to preach a funeral from, from my aunt, my great aunt, my grandfather's sister, she passed away, and I went to preach that uh, funeral, but of course I had to meet with her, she was nearing the end of her life, so I went to go to the hospital and pray with her and just see if she was, had made peace with God. And, and I went there and I prayed, and, and while I was there as a family member, right, the people in the room, by the grace of God this time, saw me there as, a, as an agent of God. They, they, they said, hey, make room for him. Let him get to the bed so he can pray and talk with her. That doesn't happen often, but for whatever reason, in this difficult moment, they received me as more than a family member. It was like, no, he, 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 he's God's man. Let, let, let him in so that he can come and pray with her. And sometimes it's difficult to navigate those spaces where you're called to serve back where you grew up at or called to serve with people who have previously known you, and you have to be able to say that I'm God's person, person in this moment. And you will find that some people will never upgrade their fealty. They will never upgrade it. And it's, uh, guess what? And it's their loss. It's their loss. See, you don't waste your time. You don't waste your time with people who will not upgrade their fealty. You don't force it on them. You don't try to make them do it. You don't try to make them see you differently. But here's what you do, because that won't help. But here's what you do. You go there, you serve, you be authentic, you be obedient to God, and God will make room for you among those who will receive you. And I want to say this, because I'm getting to I'm gonna to get to this on a part in a second. So you guys hang with me. I'm just trying to help you in case this is what you're feeling and what you're what's happening to you right now. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to be uh, telling the force that because what it might seem is like you are more arrogant or just inauthentic, or because and it caused them to double down on their perception of you. Because they already probably think you're high and mighty for coming back like, oh, I've got something else on your mind. So you don't push that because they'll just double down on that and hardness of heart will set in more than did before. All right. So what do you do? You're feeling like you're just, God has called you, God has changed you, you're in this new space, you're coming back home, you're coming back to people who've known you previously, this is familiar spaces. What do you do then? You do what you can for those who receive you in the fullness of your that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't go on arguing with him. Jesus simply said, I'm going to touch a few people, heal a few people who are sick, and I'm going to do what I can for those I can, who, who receive me in, in, the, in the capacity that I've been sent. Here's what he does, right? He just goes and prays. And I'm going to say this to you. You can only be a minister to those who receive you at first. And, and I had to learn that lesson very early in, in service is that I could not counsel anyone who didn't want to be counseled. I couldn't shepherd anyone who couldn't be shepherded, who didn't want to be shepherded. I couldn't speak into the life of a person who didn't want to be spoken to. I couldn't do it. I had to let that weight off. I, I kind of noticed that, you know, when I first became a pastor, I'm telling you that you have to marry and bury your seed. And I'm pretty sorry to be so callous with that. You have to marry and bury your seed before people take you on as a pastor. And it was real. I started to notice that over my pastorate, that there were some people who would introduce me as their pastor, 
Some people introduce me as a friend. Some people introduce me or call me bro. And I'm not title hungry. Hear me. But what I sensed was that there was a correlation between that and the way they received me in my capacity in their life. If I was bro, I was just bro. I can only do bro stuff. If I was pastor, then I can do pastor-like stuff. Speak into their life, shepherd them, disciple. You should check your language and check your vernacular with those who have rule, not just Pastor George, but anyone in this church who has rule. How do you honor them? Are you receiving them in the full capacity? You should check that. Because you can only receive from them what you allow, or how you, you can only receive from them on the level that you receive them. Right? Jesus said, if you, if you give me a cup of water in the name of a prophet, you shall receive a prophet's reward. On the level you, re- on the level you receive is the level you receive from them. Someone encouraged if you need more, well, dive in a little bit deeper. Come under leadership. And so, I promise you, we, we didn't talk about this. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just. And I told y'all last week I stepped on toes. So, just, I got big feet. What's going to do? Like, and here's the, here's the idea. And, and, and here's the idea. You can't, don't waste your time giving more, trying to force more on them because they can't receive it. The capacity is only so small. And they, and, and they cannot receive the fullness that you're just. Pouring in to just a small thing. You won't be received. The extra you do won't be received. And here's what I want to say to you, most importantly today, is that familiarity, commonality, comfortability is the leading cause of dishonor. It was the leading cause of dishonor. They started saying, well, we know you really well, George. We know, we know everything about you. We know where you lay your head. We know where you grow up. Seeing you make a bunch of mistakes. Yeah, you messed up my, my side of it. And I can't receive you now as a minister of God. I cannot receive you in the capacity that you are now. And here it is that it's the people who we know the best that dishonor us the most. But in this instance, it's the people that who we know we went to school with, where we lay our heads, who, who failed to show us honor that we deserve. Jesus was all of the things they listed. He was a carpenter, he was a son, he was a brother. But more than that, he was a rabbi. And ultimately, he was a son of God. Here's what I'm going to say. Don't allow your natural, what you know naturally about a person, to keep you from receiving them as an agent of God and a prophet to speak into your life regarding spiritual things. We do it to a lot of people. Not just people in our church. We do it to a lot of people we know, people in our families, or just people that we think, you know, we look down on them because of how they came up in life. And so they, they can't be this, they can't be that. And dishonor is one of the leading causes, uh, familiarity is one of the leading causes of dishonor. You know, it's the reason why preachers used to wear robes back in the day. You know, because, uh, you know, things working in a town like this, right? How people know each other? Is it a small town? Okay. So everybody kind of knows each other, right? You've been to And uh, let's say Pastor, Pastor Jim will be working at the coal mine. You know, he's there, he's all in his face, he's smugged up, and he'd be working there. And then at the, on Sunday mornings, he'd have to get on the pulpit and preach to people he'd be working in the mines with and give them the word of God. And there was some, there was some, some disconnect there. They're like, well, who are you? You're just in the, in the coal mine over there. Yeah, well, that's one part of his life. The other part of his life is God's person for you in this season of life. God, the Bible calls them gifts sent from Jesus. Right, to mature you for the work of ministry. And here it is, they have to put on a role to help a few people not to miss the humanity, but also to see God, the divinity of God working through their life. So 
So they had to wear, you know, to take off his miner's outfit and put on a robe so that you can see not the person, but the office. The weight of the office that they carry. And here's the truth. You may not, and you may like or may not like Trump, but if he walks in this room, it'd be very dishonorable not to stand up for him. Because we have to learn how to honor office, even if we have issues with the person. And that's the currency of the kingdom. Here's why I'm going to say, here are Sometimes we dishonor people in our context because we have low expectations of what God can do in our own life. That's real. I'm going to let that sink for a second. Reasons why a townie, this is wrong using that word, would hate a person who got out because they did it. Oftentimes, with the same opportunity, with the same uh, 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 measure uh, of faith that could be had, the same resources available to them, and don't be mad because you know what? When a person is coming up in God, they're not better because. You know, they, they've gone to this school or got this degree or went to this list somewhere. God put a call on a person's life. It's not their doing. They're not better than you. They're not any, any, any greater than you. They've just been called to serve you in a certain way. And that's God's mandate on them. And so you have to understand what you're doing is limiting what you think God can do in your own life. It's almost a bit of coveting, in a sense. And, and, and we allow that to bring dishonor to people. I'm not going to argue who are you. You're from where I'm from, you've been where I've been, you've been in the streets. Well, now maybe God's doing a new thing in your life. And maybe you need to receive in that. It's because, watch this, dishonor has consequences. And dishonor hurts the person who employs it. See, Jesus, uh, you know, you got to read this thing in context, right? Jesus is coming from driving out demons. That's who really is. Jesus is coming from restoring a woman to health who had been sick for years, 12 years. He's just raised a girl up off her sickbed where there was faith and honor, right? And he comes to his hometown, and he does no miracles. Right? The joke was on them. Right? I'm sure in this impoverished town, there were many people who needed to touch Jesus. More than they knew. But because Jesus was from Nazareth, they could not receive it. And who lost out? Him. Jesus goes on right after them and does more miracles. Right? When we dishonor people, we lose out on the blessing of them. Because they cannot serve us in a way that they could. We miss out on what other people have, have been getting. If you can ever grasp the, the value of honor, you would understand that I can receive Right at home, what other people may receive abroad from people that I just have counted out. It's funny because when I come back to my home church sometimes, you know, I, and I'm just scary, you know, they miss out on the teaching. They miss out on how I can step in and help. And they're older and they need help. They just miss it because they're never going to upgrade the view of what I do. And that's okay because I don't need them to. They could have help. They don't have it. You understand what I'm saying? And so I'm, I'm calling you to honor people. Look, I have students who walk around campus and they see me with Pastor Gary. And, and for them, they can come to my house. And I'm not saying just through the title, but because they, they're, 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 they honor me. And that honor opens up the door for me to be able to serve them in a way I can't serve some people who don't think this way. They can come over, they, 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 they call me, they have to give advice because they have bought in on the fact that I'm 
and God's shepherd for them during this season of life. And I'm able to help them with that. The recognition of, of, of need limits the ministry I can provide to them. Not because I don't have the capacity, but because I don't have the opportunity. Make sense? Your honor gives permission to someone who serves you in that way. So I'm wrapping up here, but I'm going to give you just this scripture here in Romans 13. It says this, Romans 13, 7, it says, Pay your obligations to everyone. Tax those who owe taxes. And taxes to those who owe taxes. Toll to those who you owe tolls. Respect to those you owe respect. And honor to those you, those you owe honor. I've really just come today to strengthen you all. And I wanted to come today to speak to you with two different kinds of people. People who are suffering from dishonor among people you've known or maybe in your hometown, even in your own house. God's done amazing with you and people don't see it. I'm not saying don't forfeit. Be authentic to you. Allow you to make it. Be authentic. Even if people don't honor you. Be you. Because there are some people in the world who will listen. Jesus was in his hometown. People were amazed by what he was saying. Some people he couldn't get past his humanity to see what God was saying. But there were others who were sick, who were lonely. And that's how that's where faith comes from. People who understand where they are, who God is, and are willing to come and bow down and say, Look, I need you, Lord, both in my soul and in my body. And there's sometimes you speak to the person who's being dishonorable. Stop it. You are hurting yourself and not the individual to be dishonorable. You are limiting yourself from what could be received, how you could be blessed, how you could be pushed forward and shepherded and discipled by dishonoring the person God has sent to you. Now notice me, Jesus said everywhere he was going, the Father has sent him. You've got to realize that it's not just people coming up to set up a church or people just coming over to your house and receive scripture. I mean, God is sending people places. And guess what? He sent them for something to be. A dishonorable plot to keep you from getting there. And so I know this is a different kind of word, but it's the word that I felt God was saying in my heart. Don't get so familiar with these people. Don't get so wrapped up in what they've done and who they were that you cannot receive them as God's person. Because you will only hurt you more. Father, I thank you, God, for this awesome church. Sometimes we dishonor people. But God, I thank you. God, you say it happens to most of us. Where it should happen to least. Only should be a help, not a hindrance. So God, I pray that wherever we call home, that people will begin to see God's gifting in us. Pray, God, that when we call home, we begin to honor people among us who are laboring, who are worthy, as Scripture says, of double honor. Pray, God, that honor will be the culture, the currency, right here in Center Park, Not because people are super 
special ability. Super called, they have been sent by God to do God's good work. So God, let us receive that we may not clip ourselves. 